Welcome to the Primal Pioneer, a no-nonsense podcast teaching you how to rewild your life and heal your body using nature's medicine kit. I'm your host, Heather Shepard, classical homeopath, author of The Sunlight Rx, and alternative healer. For the past decade, I've been helping people overcome acute and chronic health disorders and brain injuries using a 100% natural approach. Enjoy this episode and subscribe to this podcast to stay informed about your body, your health, and how to lead the healthiest life possible, even amidst our crazy modern world. All right, everyone, welcome back. Uh, let's see, I just need to set up a couple things. So today uh, is another food talk episode. I owe this one to you all because last week I totally fucked it up. Um, last week's food talk episode was on salt. And in that episode, I had mentioned and promised you all that I was going to teach you um, my favorite way to roast a chicken. And okay, so I did the episode, I published it for you all. After the episode, I go up to my kitchen and uh, <laughs> I start making dinner and I'm like, oh shit, I totally dropped the ball because I forgot to teach you how to roast the chicken and uh, walk you through that process on, on last episode. So my apologies, it was not on purpose. It was a total brain lapse. I knew I was forgetting something. I was like, uh, nope. Uh, so anyway, today's episode is 100% dedicated to teaching you all how to roast the perfect chicken. Now, I'm gonna be honest with you. I just recently learned how to roast a chicken this way. Um, in the past, um, I also called this like the, the most amazing chicken, which it is uh, my old version, which is is a tried and two version. And I will absolutely call on that version as well. Um, so, you know, in that old way of roasting a chicken, it was like set it and forget it method. It still turns out really amazing. It just isn't quite as tender. <clears throat> and and moist, although it is, but just this way I'm going to teach you today is is like next level, and um and and in the previous way or the old way, um there's a lot more you can do with regard to herbs, spices, butter, and and so forth. So you know those of you who've read my Patreon post over at patreon.com backslash sunlightrx, and you can become a member for literally just twelve dollars a month. I do at least one post a week there, um, sometimes a few posts a week, depending on my schedule, but I at least get you one solid post over there a week with regard to health, healing, homeopathy, diet, um, and so forth. And it's a, a place also where you can ask your questions or get very specific with something you're dealing with or something a client or patient of yours is dealing with. And, and we can really get into detail about that over on uh, my Patreon site. Um, but I have an older post there, you know, older, I mean, you know, maybe a month or two ago that walks you through how to roast a chicken in my old way. And I post the recipe uh, there. And this method of, of roasting a chicken entails melting butter in a cast iron skillet or Pyrex baking dish, placing the chicken 
um, in and smothering it into this, this pot and then covering it with herbs of your choice. Okay. You know, thyme, sea salt, pepper, turmeric. And I use turmeric. Um, sure. It's anti-inflammatory. And I think it has some amazing health properties, right? We all know that, but it also gives the chicken a really nice golden appearance. And people are like, Oh my God, how did your chicken turn out like that? It's literally turmeric, um, rosemary and these sort of things. So, um, and this was a really, this is an easy way to roast a chicken as well. You stick it in the oven for an hour and a half to two hours, depending on the weight of your bird at 350 Fahrenheit. And you literally don't open the oven until the end point and you'll have a beautiful, delicious bird. Okay. You know, and then you take it out of the oven and you scoop all the, the amazing golden rich fat on the bottom and the drippings on the bottom of the pan over the bird. Let it rest for a few minutes, you know, 10 and, and then carve. That was the old way, okay? And if you roast a chicken in this way, and you can go to the Patreon site to get the full details, you're gonna have an amazing chicken. Recently, I learned a new way to roast a chicken. I'm not gonna, as I mentioned, abandon my old way. It's still amazing. It, it has its own uniqueness, particularly with regard to the herbs and spices you can add and so forth. However, my new way entails zero spices. It also requires a higher cooking temperature and literally results in the most moist and tender chicken you have quite literally ever tasted. I, it's like, whoa, okay, there's a real big difference. So there's a little more work involved during the cooking process, but nothing you should be intimidated by. I'm going to walk you through that step-by-step step during this episode. Um, it literally only involves moving the pan a little to the left and then a little to the right and adjusting the temperature, you know, once during the cooking process. So while you can't just set it and forget it, you have to do a couple very minor things and the outcome is a super moist and tender chicken. So I'm going to teach you that way today. I promise that's entirely what the episode is dedicated um, to. And um, before I go there, I want to just mention that last week I taught, I did a food talk episode all about salt, as I was telling you. And um, this include the, included the role of, of sodium inside your cells, as well as how to cook with salt and how to season your meats and foods with salt before you actually eat those foods. And I also talked about which salts are primo uh, with regard to nutrient content and, and from a mineral standpoint as well. Um, I also mentioned during that episode, um, you know, my favorite salts to use. I basically had this top three salt lineup and uh, app that I mentioned there because those like not all sea salt is created equal. So that's something very important to understand. You can't just go in and get sea salt and, and expect it to be as nutrient mineral rich as the other sea salt. So there's some important things to know there. And um, also after the salt episode, I had a listener email me saying how she loves Icelandic sea salt. And so I would say yes, 100%. Um, I eat um, Icelandic sea salt as well. And so um, I just want to mention, yes, 100% sea salt from this region can be added to my top three salt lineup, which will now make it my top four by adding the Icelandic sea salts. Um, if you haven't listened to that episode, I would encourage you to do so because I give some good pointers there on salt and cooking with salt and which forms to buy and which forms to avoid, even though they may sound good. And 
you know, how some brands of sea salt say sea salt, but they're not actually from the sea. And so the mineral content is going to be really different. Not that those salts are bad, but we just have to understand the difference when it comes to um, the types of minerals and availability of the minerals in uh, actual sea salt and what, you know, and, and which pertains to what, what we need in our own cells and body. So um, take a listen to that episode. I would encourage you to do so if you haven't already. Um, okay, before I teach you how to roast a chicken to perfect tenderness, I have a couple announcements. Okay, one, of course, is my in-person foundations to classical homeopathy intensive that I'm hosting at my farm this October 6th through 8th, 2023. And this is gonna be a weekend chock full of teaching you how to use homeopathic medicine remedies in a classical way um, to treat, quote unquote, treat chronic and acute conditions. You know, of course, me, who I am, I can't lead an in-person retreat without providing amazing food. So this is going to be a, a big part of the uh, intensive weekend as well. You can learn more about the intensive by visiting my site, heathershepherd.com, H-E-A-T-H-A-R-S-H-E-P-A-R-D.com. Go to the homeopathy tab, and then you'll see this drop-down menu and click on the foundations intensive. You can read more about it there. And if you read through it and you're like, hmm, it sounds awesome, I need a payment plan, no worries, email me and we can make arrangements, we can set up a Zoom call and talk about that, no problem, okay? Don't let that deter you from learning this amazing medicine and um, coming to visit me and be with other very like-minded, amazing people on the farm here. Next are a couple of food announcements. So, we are super stoked to be hosting our first farm to table dinner here at the farm this October 1st, Sunday, October 1st. The theme is tacos and tequila. And while I'm not a big drinker, I never have been. You know, my wife finds this to be amazing. She's like, you've never blacked out from drinking. I'm like, no, I, I just like that. That's never been part of my experience. I, I'm not like a substance person, but I do have a deep appreciation for people who make mescal in a very traditional, authentic way. It really goes with this primal ancestral theme that's so important to me in my lifestyle and, and how I live my life and so forth. And um, there are many individuals in the Mexican culture who have this generational knowledge with regard to handcrafted mescal and cultivating the agave plant and doing it in a very mindful um, traditional way and, and cooking it and smoking it. And I'm, I'm really fascinated with food and with mezcal for this reason. Um, there's a really deep heritage and art to this process. And I have a collection of rare agaves that literally sit on my shelf, just waiting for like, please, somebody come to a farm to taco dinner so you can, <laughs> you know, experience that. <laughs> and so um, that is going to be part of, of the dinner. And I also love making Mexican food in a traditional way, not that horseshit you go to a restaurant and get and they smother all this like canned crap. And, you know, it's like we can make Mexican food so amazing. The culture here is so rich and vast and diverse, and it doesn't have to require 
you know, crappy sour cream, which is, is really an American version. Anything Mexican food that has sour cream, like, I'm not going to lie. I love sour cream, but any version of Mexican food with sour cream on it, it's like, that's an, that's an American addition. Traditional Mexican food does not, um, does not inquire sour cream into their dishes. Just saying sour cream is awesome, but it's a, it's very much an, an American rendition. Um, so the, the culture of the Mexican food is so deep and it's maybe because I love chili so much. I love making food from scratch and um, I love growing the chilies, growing the tomatoes. It's like, oh my gosh. I mean, I had to have a past life of something with regard to <laughs> that heritage. Um, it's one of my favorite cuisines and I love watching people's faces when they they take a bite into one of my homemade corn tortillas, which took me some some time to really own, you know, really get down. I don't want to say master because there are people, especially um, Mexican culture, who fucking nail this process way better than I do. But, you know, I, I love watching people's faces as they bite into one of my homemade corn tortilla, tortillas. Um, they literally put the store-bought versions to shame qu quite easily. Um, so, uh, I'm going to share this with you. The other day we had some friends over for dinner and I had made a batch of my sea salt, almond and homemade caramel chocolate bars. Um, I was like, Hey, you know, would you be open to tasting these? And of course, you know, any chocolate lovers would be, Oh my God. Yeah, sure. I want to see, you know, how you like them before I start to put them out there into the world. And she literally, the, our, our guest here, she literally took a bite and had tears come down her, her face. She was blown away by the flavor combination. You know, that's not quite the response I was expecting when I was asking for, for her feedback on the bars, but you know, I'll take it. It was one of the most appreciated comments I, I'd ever received. So the good news is, I guess this is the last food announcement, is that those bars are back and I'm calling them the Almond Snickers Bar. I might change this name in the future because I'm not keen on the word Snickers, but you know, however, it conveys a pretty clear message as to what the bar entails. Um, chocolate, which I make from Mexican beans and roasted almonds and sea salt, and my homemade caramel sauce. So um, you can uh, pre-order those bars. I'm actually going to start shipping them out on Monday, September 11th. If you live in the States, you can, you can uh, pre-order those bars. Um, and you can also get a ticket to the farm to taco dinner this October 1st by going to our farm website, ohoconejo.com. If you're like, wait a minute, how do I spell that? It's O-J-O-C-O-N-E-J-O.com. It literally translates to eye of the rabbit. Um, and so you will see the farm store and you can learn more about what we're doing here. You can read the blog. My wife uh, writes so amazingly there on, um, on the site. And you can learn a little bit more about what we're doing here, whether you purchase a ticket or uh, chocolate bar or not. Now I ship the bars seasonally and they will be available in local, the local co-ops and um, at our farm for purchase. So if you don't live in New Mexico, you can still go to the site and purchase uh, a bar and I will start shipping those out on um, Monday, the 11th. Okay, let's get into how to roast a chicken. Um, now it's just not, it's not just how to roast a chicken. It's like how to roast the most moist, tender chicken. Let's just say that. 
All right, first, the key ingredient that makes this whole thing work is buttermilk. Now, I've taught you all how to make butter. The leftover byproduct of butter making is that deliciously sour and slightly sweet buttermilk, okay? Now, if you're like, wait, when did you teach us that? Listen to the homemade butter episode. It's a food talk episode. I recently did, I did that, uh, that this summer. And you can also go to my Patreon page to get the full details on the recipe. It's, it's literally so easy a kindergartner could do it. And I don't mean any disrespect to a kindergartner, but I'm serious. Don't be intimidated when it comes to making homemade butter by the old school method where you have to shake the shit out of a mason jar full of cream for three hours. That, that is not this method that I teach you. It's a very simple method. It literally will take you 10 minutes. You'll taste it and you'll be like, oh my gosh, I'm never buying store-bought butter again. Um, now, of course, the mason jar method will get you there. It will also break your arm in the process. So, you know, we want to avoid that. We have a faster way to do it. And so, um, you know, I highly recommend this because then you have butter and then you have buttermilk. And so people are like, what the heck do I do with buttermilk if you, you know, well, you roast a chicken. You you use it to roast a chicken is is one of the uh, a great use of this leftover product from making your butter. So bottom line, the key to a moist and tender chicken, I have found and um, my wife has found and our farm team has found because we all ate this the other night. And we were just like looking at each other like, what the F? This is like, okay, all right. Literally every single one of them says the most moist, chicken I've ever had. So bottom line, the key to moist and tender chicken is soaking it in buttermilk for 24 hours before you cook it. Don't go much over this time frame because it will make the skin and meat tough. So 24 hours is like that sweet spot that allows the chicken to achieve its peak tenderness. Okay, now the best buttermilk to use is leftover from your butter making. Okay, if you don't have that, get some from a farmer who practices pasture grazing with their dairy cows, and then you'll have also an amazing source of buttermilk. If you have to, buy it in the store, but that's the last option, right? Just buy some pastured buttermilk in the store. <clears throat> so for this recipe, you're going to need about two cups of buttermilk. Now, next, you're going to have to know the weight of your bird. This determines how long you'll need to cook the bird. Now, I'm gonna give you instructions for a four and a half to 5.5 bird. So, um, for this weight of a bird, you can also use a little bit more buttermilk if you have it, two and a half cups, three cups, you know, you can use it for a 4.5 to 5.5 bird, pound bird. If your bird is smaller than that, if it weighs less than that, you know, under four pounds, particularly, particularly, subtract five minutes from the cooking times that I share with you all here today. Okay, so let me just reiterate that. If your bird weighs under four pounds, Subtract five minutes from the cooking times that I um, that I share with you during this 
uh, episode here today, okay? Now, I'm also, if you're like, oh my gosh, I can't remember all this. Like, I don't have time to write it down. I'm riding, I'm driving in my car, whatever, whatever it may be. I'm also going to post this recipe on my Patreon page for everyone as well, okay? So, um, you don't have to write this down. You don't have to memorize it by heart. You can go over to the Patreon, my Patreon page, patreon.com backslash sunlightrx. I'll post it there for you. Now, I'm going to recommend that you cook your bird in a cast iron skillet. Make sure it's big enough that the whole thing fits in and it's not like scrunched up, okay? Um, now, the way we're going to roast this chicken is unique. It's unique in the sense that you're not going to be adding butter. You're not going to be adding salt, pepper, spices, or anything else during the cooking process. You're not adding any of that. What you're going to do is you're going to soak it in buttermilk. You're going to take those two plus cups and soak the chicken in buttermilk. Before you cook it, you're going to rinse the buttermilk off just very, very quickly. And you're going to set the bird in your cast iron skillet and place it in the oven. This may sound boring. Like, wait, that's it, no spices, it's gonna taste bland, you know, trust me, it's anything but boring when you take a bite of this chicken, I promise you. Okay, I'm gonna walk you through now step-by-step step on how to do this. And again, this is the recipe for a four and a half to five and a half pound bird. Okay, um, now you're going to need at least a gallon size Ziploc bag. You, your chicken, your whole bird has to fit inside of that bag. You have to be able to seal it up without any air being exposed. So get a bag big enough that doesn't leak that you can do this in. So what you're going to do is you're going to have that Ziploc bag. You're going to pour in two and a half cups, three cups for this size bird of buttermilk and one tablespoon of sea salt. Seal the bag up, shake the thing a little bit. You don't want the buttermilk to fly out, so be gentle, but shake it together. And you want the buttermilk and, and sea salt to combine and come together. Okay, you've done that. Open the bag up, set your chicken in the bag, okay? And place it in a Pyrex dish in the fridge. Now, you want the chicken laying down. You don't want it standing up, so lay it down and um, start with uh, making sure that the buttermilk is covering the breast side of the chicken. So usually that means the breast side is facing down in the pan and the buttermilk uh, gravity is going to pull it down mostly towards the breast side, the bottom side of the chicken. Okay, I do this before, uh, before I go to bed uh, at night. So then in the morning, I wake up and I flip the chicken so the backside of the chicken gets its turn at being covered by the buttermilk. And so then I just turn it over, okay? Now, by the time you roast your bird, the, chi the chicken is gonna be soaking for 18, 20, maybe 24 hours, depending on when you started your, your soaking, okay? Now, less time is okay. It will still be moist and tender, but like I did one for six and a half hours the other day, it definitely wasn't as tender and moist as the one I did for about 20 hours. So it will make a difference. Again, don't go much over the 24 hour soaking period because the opposite thing will happen where the acids in the buttermilk will start to toughen the skin and the meat. So we don't want that to happen. 
Okay, when you're ready to cook your bird, preheat your oven to 425 Fahrenheit, okay? Now, we're gonna get a little particular here, and this is important. It's important uh, with regard to how the heat is distributed throughout your oven and how that affects cooking certain parts of the bird. So preheat your oven to 425 Fahrenheit, make sure your oven rack is in the center position. You don't want it down low, too low. You don't want it too high. Put it as much in the center as you can. We want the bird to cook evenly. So this step is super important. Take the chicken out of the bag. Give it a very quick rinse under your sink or whatever you know water you use to remove any remaining buttermilk. Literally like one, two seconds, top, bottom, boom, that's it. And then just shake it a little bit over your sink to um, so the water you know rolls off the chicken. Now, the buttermilk, I forgot to mention this, but I wanna mention this, the buttermilk is acidic, okay? And it tenderizes the chicken as it soaks in its juices. This is why it gets so moist and tender. Okay, I just wanted to make sure. Like, why buttermilk? Can I use XYZ? Use buttermilk. Okay, set your chicken in a cast iron skillet, uh, breast side up, and tie the legs together with some butcher's twine. Now, that may sound fancy for some of you, and honestly, I don't even use butcher's twine. But, you know, that's the that's the technical term and, you know, way to that most people do it that most cooks do it but to be honest I use 100% cotton um, string or twine and then I rub bacon fat all on the, the string the whole thing because if you don't do that the twine will just burn to shit in the oven and then your the legs will become untangled and everything goes to hell so make sure you do this so I ha literally have 100% cotton string or twine and I rub bacon fat all over the string. And then I tie the legs up to prevent, this will prevent the string from burning. Butcher's twine, that's why it's called butcher's twine because it does the same thing. But honestly, who knows what kind of oil they use on that thing. So I just use bacon fat. Don't skip this step. It helps the chicken cook evenly and it, it prevents um, too much uh, heat from getting in the middle of the cavity and drying out the, the breast meat. So don't skip this step. And, you know, you'll feel like a boss. You're like, I know what I'm doing. I'm tying up chicken legs and it'll make you feel like, you know, you really know what you're doing because, you know, so take that, take that as a win. So when your oven has reached 425, put your, your chickens in the cast iron skillet, right? Put it in the oven by sliding the pan on that middle rack all the way to the back of the oven, the back corners are the hottest part of the oven, okay? So to start off with, the legs need to be pointing towards the rear left corner and the breast is pointing toward the center of the oven. I'm gonna say that one more time. So you put the bird in the oven, it's in the cast iron skillet, and then you turn the pan so the legs are facing the rear left corner and the pan is all the way towards the back of the oven, okay? It's bumping up against the wall. Again, like this is another step, do not skip this because this prevents the breast from overcooking before the legs are done, all right? 
So very, very important. Okay, now shut the oven, let it cook for 25 minutes. Again, remember, um, reduce, subtract five minutes if your bird is less than four pounds. Okay, after about 25 minutes, turn the knob to 400 and just don't do anything else. Continue roasting it for another 15 minutes. I use a stopwatch to time it, time it use whatever your heart desires to time it. The timing is important. It's important as to when the legs get done, when the breast meat is done. And um, it's important because it prevents the skin from getting overcooked. So go, the timing is actually important. Okay, so after 25 minutes, you've reduced the oven heat to 400. You continue cooking it for another 15 minutes. Then open the oven, move your cast iron skillet so the legs are facing the back right corner of the oven. We need the legs to cook um, with the, the most heat and the breast stays in the center of the oven so it doesn't overcook. So now you've turned the legs so they're facing the back right corner of the oven. Now time for another 35 minutes. Okay, you're almost done. Like this, is, this isn't that hard, right? Remove the chicken from the oven after that 35 minutes. The skin should be a dark brown color. The juices should run clear. When I follow this timing method for a four and a half, you know, we can even say four to five and a half pound chicken, it cooks through perfectly every single time I've done this. Now, take it out of the oven. Don't just, you know, dive into the chicken. Let the chicken sit for 10 to 15 minutes and then slice it. We want the juices to stay in the chicken. Um, we want it to finish cooking. It's still hot. Okay, let it set for 10 to 15 minutes then start to slice or carve it. Personally, I like to dip my chicken in this um, homemade ancho barbecue sauce that I make. Um, my wife actually makes a really great honey mustard. This is one of her signatures. Now, um, all you do is you stir raw honey and mustard together. She can really nail it. <laughs> She's not a cook, but you know, but she can she can make a mean honey mustard. Um, and then next week I'm actually gonna try a recipe for smoked honey. I'll let you know how that goes. I'm going to guess it's gonna be epic and will be really awesome on um on roasted chicken. Honestly, you could eat this chicken plain with you know after you pull it out with salt, pepper. Taste this chicken before adding any seasoning. However, I just want you to taste it to just get the moistness, get the flavor that this method of roasting a chicken um, you know results in. And I always suggest people taste things before adding salt, pepper, and so forth to to see what it actually needs because. The sea salt that you put into the buttermilk when you soak this chicken actually penetrates into um, the flesh of the chicken and it, season it seasons it uh, from, from deep within. So it penetrates in and, and really that salt penetrates into the meat. And so by the time you eat this chicken, it's fully seasoned because we've allowed it the it time to, for the salt to, to penetrate into the flesh of, um, of the chicken. And I talked about this a little bit in the previous episode on salt 
and how important it is to salt our foods and especially our meats a day or, or a few days in advance, depending on the type of meat that you're, you're going to be eating. Um, because of, for, for this very reason, the salt, you know, usually we're used to salting our meats or salting our foods, just the salt shaker. And so we have a little bit of salty on top, but when we take a full bite, the salt doesn't penetrate through. Sometimes that's okay, depending on, you know, what you're eating, but we can add a lot more flavor and richness and mineral content to our foods, especially our meat by pre-seasoning them. Uh, uh, 24 plus hours in advance. So this is exactly what happens with this chicken is um, as it's soaking in that buttermilk with this, the sea salt is able to penetrate into the flesh. And so the result is, hey, this is actually salted pretty damn well. I don't need to add much salt. I can't even remember if I eat, added salt the last time I ate this. I may not have, um, and it tasted amazing. So I would encourage you all to taste it before you uh, before you season it. Literally, that's it. That's pretty easy, right? I mean, yeah, it takes a little rotating here and there and um, and shifting the temperature one time. But honestly, that's it. The result is amazing. If you have leftovers, they store really great in the fridge for a few days. And I found the meat still stays super tender as well. Um, I will leave you with, don't be intimidated by the twine. Don't be intimidated by rotating the pan with the legs. You know, it's, it's really, it's super easy. Set your timer because the, the timing is pretty precise. That is an important one to nail and, um, follow the instructions I laid out for you here. You can find them also on Patreon. And, um, I, I really suspect you and your family or dinner guests are going to be blown away. Hey, maybe they'll even shed a tear. You never know. Um, so don't forget to head over to ohoconejo.com to get some chocolate bars and pre-order there. Um, and if you're local or hey, if you're like, let's be spontaneous and take a trip to New Mexico, Feel free to join us for the dinner. Oh my gosh, the thing I forgot to mention is we have, we know this really talented um, flamenco guitarist and she will be playing at the dinner as well. Um, so gosh, that's like one of the most important parts. She's amazing. I love this woman. Um, she's, she's local and uh, she's just super talented. Uh, and you can learn more about her, Nacha Mendez, on the Ojo Conejo site as well. Um, so anyway, I uh, hope you get to try chocolate bar. And of course, um, I'd love to see you all at the farm to, to taco dinner. Um, I know it may be a far stretch for some of you. You know, I'm sure you're not going to take a flight from Australia to come over for to have a taco. But, you know, if you live in the in the area, we'd love to see you there. Okay. I will see you all next week. And I believe I will be talking about metabolic disorders and uh, how to approach those with food and sunlight and modalities like homeopathy. I'll see you then. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. To learn more about my approach to health, 
to see all of my creations in the kitchen and all of my Sunlight RX tips, you can follow me on the gram at sunlight underscore RX and subscribe to this podcast to access weekly episodes.